0: Episode 3 Guided by distant voices, Saku navigated to the market district, where multi-level housing structures loomed above. Fearful whispers came from people in the windows, as well as the crowd gathered in the square below. Three men in armor stood by a boy and his sister, with cloth wrapped around their eyes. She ran faster, feeling the ground uneven on her bare feet. She gripped at the hilt of the katana around her waist. Don't, somebody begged. You remember you don't know how to use that sword, right? Kamo said to her. The large men holding the children stood next to a flower cart and a number of booths with high scaffolding. They wore a red overvest around their white kimonos with a katana strapped around their waist. At the front of the crowd, people laid down their large curved swords. Saku joined in the back and watched as, one by one, people began to kneel. I don't care who demanded it, one of the voices spoke, refusing to lower his weapon. This is madness. We don't know where she is. You were warned, and yet there were uprisings. The man holding the boy hostage spoke. His helmet had a large half-crescent symbol on the front. His skin looked weathered, his eyes old and unwavering. This is how Lord Yataku deals with these problems now. There is no exception. The Skull Girl was reported found, yet not taken to the castle. Their fate will be the same as the head of the Mizumano. Failure will no longer be tolerated. Unless one of you brings us the Skull Girl and the bag she was carrying, another of them said. He tightened his grip on his yari and the frightened girl at the same time. She breathed heavily and her hands shook. Her brother tried to control his breathing while he kept turning his head as if to look for his sister through the blindfold. Saku's eyes darted to the little girls whose dress she recognized, the one who wanted a skull flower. One by one the market guards lay on the ground and put their hands on their head in a plea of mercy. The crowd slowly began to do the same, dropping to their knees, then laying down, begging. Voices from the housing above cried down, Let them go! There's nothing you can do, Kamo said, not with the reach of those long weapons against your stubby little sword, and not three on one. Let's sneak out of here while you still can. Before he could finish speaking, he realized everything had gone silent. Only Saku remained standing. You want my head? Then come take it from me, she said, stepping forward. Why don't you think about anything you're doing? These are pros, Kamo said. Well, nice knowing you. The three men took a step forward, not releasing the children. Saku unsheathed the sword as fast as she could and held it up. The blade shook in the air. What are you doing, Kamo said. You're holding that in your left hand. You people things always fight with your right. I use my left hand, she said. Kamo quacked. The guard with the girl let her go, his left hand grabbing the far end of the yadi. He slashed down at her. His blade met with hers with the clang. The katana fell to the ground from Saku's hand. She grasped at her wrist and watched as the man used the center of his weapon to knock her to the ground. Okay, time to get up. You got this, Kamo said. She doesn't have the tea, we can kill her, a guard said. She leapt onto her feet and sprung onto a cart before the man could bring the weapon up to strike again. He stopped, looking at her in amazement. Get her, Hojo, one of the armored men cried. Can she do that, Ito? He yelled, turning to the other two holding onto the kids. She climbed up to the booth scaffolding that bent and shook with each step she took. Yadi jabbed in front of her, still being in reach from the ground. She brought the sword up again, swinging her elbows back, trying to find her balance. A voice called out from somewhere nearby. Nope. Don't hold it like that. You're exposing yourself. Hold up the katana with two hands at an angle low in front of you with the blade pointing up. She looked around, looking for the source of the voice, but stopped when the men started kicking at the support beams. The reed at the scaffolding began to shake. What are you doing? No one does that in a fight. That's against the code. The man shouted at her. Boy squirmed in his capturer's hands. The guard dropped his weapon and wrapped his arms tightly around the child. There's no code, Hojo. Just kill this girl already. Don't be over-spirited and do not let the enemy see your spirit, the skull said. Come again, Saku said nervously, trying to catch her breath. Chill out and focus on your breathing, the voice went on. If they swing, swing downwards to defend yourself and get the sword back up high, but keep it low enough so you can cut at them if you need to. Watch their movements. Saku jumped onto the ground below. The guard saw this and took a jab at her. Clank! She swung low to block cutting sword. Slash, the voice cried. The katana flicked up and slashed the cheek of the man hard. He let out a cry. She staggered, gasping for air before raising her sword to meet his weapon's thrust. Breathe through your nose, exhale through the mouth when you swing. The voice seemed to be coming out of an eagle owl skull laying on one of the plates in an outdoor eatery nearby. It sat alone, as if somebody had placed it there after a meal had been finished. The other man bobbed his head twice, then swung, heaving out all the air through their nose. She raised her elbow up the block. She spotted his right knee had extended too far the movement of the swing. She tried to slash it, but out of the corner of her eye, she caught sight of another man holding his yachty high. Having released his grip, the boy ran free. The children took off their blindfolds and ran towards the people still on the ground. They stood up and gathered around the kids, making their escape, leaving only the guards and Saku in the market. Her hands held the sword at the base position. She took a chance and swung. The weapons clanked. Yeah, don't do that. Just try to stay alive. You can't beat these guards, the voice said. Let them make the mistakes. Who are you? Saku yelled, quickly moving behind a bend, dodging an attack. I am known by the name Fushisho, the small eagle owl skull said. Don't lose focus. Then stop talking, Saku shouted. The three men found themselves on the wrong side of the booth, unable to reach Saku as she ran. She jumped on a stall and reached for the banner to pull herself up. The banner ripped, sending her crashing down. They stood in front of her with their weapons drawn. The one called Ito nodded to Hojo, who unleashed a mighty swing towards her, but he stopped. He stared at something in front of him in the distance. The other's gaze turned to whom he was looking at. A man wearing a bright orange kimono walked into the market with a bow on his back. He walked down leisurely towards them. I'll leave the scully alone, a familiar voice rang out. She's taking it easy on you. Ayashi walked to the cart and picked a yellow morning glory and placed it behind his left ear. He picked up Fushichao from the table of the eatery That's yours, Saku. He tossed the skull to her. Nice throw, Puchichao said, in soft hands. You must study this well. Saku put the skull in her pocket. You have no business here, Ayashi, the guard said. The man withdrew from the skull person and turned his focus to Ayashi. He readied the bow, drew an arrow, and pointed at the guard. His shadow stretched far out in front of him. Ayashi pulled the string tighter. Tell the regent he can't run a city if he keeps killing all of its people, he said. We are everyone's problem now, the man called Ito said. A flash from high above caught Saku's eyes. Without thinking, she swung, slatching Hojo's side, who had tried to take a swipe at her. The man cried out in pain. Stop, Ito screamed. Don't come at me, Saku said. Told you. Ayashi spoke. Ito rushed to the side of the fallen man. The cut was deep in his flesh. My son, he cried. Saku's face turned white. Ito's turned red. He looked to Ayashi, then back to Saku. Next time, Skull Girl, it will be me talking to your skull, he said. Ito and the other guard helped the wounded man up. Blood gushed from his side. His face narrowed when he realized the commoners still watched from the windows above. The three men left the market. Saku pushed Ayashi and crossed her arms. You tricked me. You tried to kill me, Ayashi. Shicho was my master's trained bird, Ayashi said, and my gift to you for almost cutting you in half. That and the sword that she stole from me. You could have that too, I guess. Well, golly... Thanks, Saku said sarcastically. That yokai saved you, he said. These skulls aren't yokai, she said incensed. Mononoke then, Ayashi waved her off. Doesn't matter, you need to help me. Help you? You poisoned me with that teeth that has me hearing skulls and you want me to help you? How about you give me my tea back, and I give it to the city heads, and I go home, where I have to relearn everything I know about everything? You're welcome, Ayashi said. I was wrong trying to kill you. There's nothing we can do about it now. He paused a while before saying, When was the last time you ate? Saku's nostrils flared. I will do nothing, you— Ayashi rolled his eyes. You saw the daimyo and his son, whom you have seriously injured— If you don't come with me and listen to what I have to say, then he will make sure you die. That was the daimyo? she asked. Ayashi straightened his garment and hummed softly to himself. Saku narrowed her eyes as he walked away. She went after him. Drunk men stood on their chairs, singing together as Ayashi sat down reaching for a grilled meat stick. He took a giant bite as one of the patrons took a step onto the table before the barkeep verbally berated the men for standing on furniture. You're safe here. I've bought you some time. Eat, Ayashi said Saku, who sat facing the door on the other side of the izakaya. You need your strength, he went on. But I need your help on next. This isn't going to be easy. Saku looked at him and then down to the meat. One, I'm not helping you. Two. I don't eat that. Who doesn't eat meat, he said. This is good. It's teriyaki. It's sweet. Fine. Then tell the bartender what you want. Hey, Ayumi, can you barkeep Scully here some animal feed or something? What do you want? Ayumi asked, walking over, swinging a rag. Rice, she said, with vegetables if you have them. That's all you want? You sure you don't want some pork? Pointed to meat sizzling on hot coals. Yeah, try the chicken, something in the wastebasket said. I bet I taste great. I'm fresh. I didn't even see it coming. I went to the theater to see if a butterfly was there hanging around, and then whack, that was it for me. Oh, I had so much I was planning on doing. I guess I won't get the any of that anymore. I really wanted to see that butterfly. The voice inside the basket grew sad. You may tried to figure out why Saku didn't speak. The meat is fresh. Saku began to cry. Can you get me rice and vegetables, please? The man shrugged and returned to the stoves to prepare the meal. She noticed two armored men in blue in a booth in the corner of the small room, downing Saki as fast as they could. They didn't look like guards Saku had seen, and she wondered who they were and why they were there. Although Ayashi did not seem bothered, she watched them from a safe distance. After a while, Yumi came back with the giant bowl of rice stacked high, along with the plate of roasted vegetables. Saku stuffed the rice inside her mouth and shoveled in the vegetables with chopsticks as fast as she could. The men in blue scoffed. We having an eating contest? Ayashi asked. Saku talked with her mouth full. Only reason I am here is because I haven't eaten in almost two days. You tried to kill me. I get it, Ayashi said. I'm naughty. But I'm going to tell you where your tea is, no strings attached. Which is usually my choice in how to make arrangements. The conversation of soldiers in blue nearby grew in volume. One spoke too loudly before returning to a whisper. Bloody sculler. The other man nodded and poured back another cup. That village is complicating the peace talks. Hearing the slur almost made Saku stop eating. Almost. After she had eaten the last lotus root and sweet potato, she finished her rice. She poured water into the bowl, whirled it around, and then drank the water, making sure every grain of rice was gone. She placed the chopsticks in the bowl and sat it on the table as the soldiers gave the barkeep a few coins and left, but not before giving Saku a cold, hard look. "'You're going to see a lot of that talk up north,' Ayashi said. They're like birds who repeat everything they hear. They know nothing. You can't do anything about that. What you can do is get the tea. It's in the red light district at the kissing house, past the street gambling alleys. Someone is holding it for you, waiting. Saku shook her head in confusion. She raised her hands upward and spread them apart with their palms facing up. The kissing house. Did you leave something in your room when you stayed there? Not my kind of place. Most of the tea is intact. I've enjoyed a couple of cups, but I'm not hearing Skull's talk. I left it for someone who needs it. Voices raised. Maybe the northern clan could show us a thing or two about bringing wealth. You are a traitor for even suggesting such a thing, the other drunk man shouted. Ayashi looked over. The arguing stopped, and the men returned quietly to their drinks. The tea will be there, waiting for you with the geisha named Hana," Ayashi said. I don't have a choice, do I?" Saku asked. Sure you do. I paved the entire road ahead of you. You can pick what side you walk on. Don't forget that," he said. You better get out of here. Ayumi's pretty shady. If they don't know where you are now, they soon will. What'd you say, Ayashi?" Ayumi said from the other side of the bar. I said you were a great friend. I will go, Saku said, but I do not forgive you. Good, Ayashi said. Forgiveness is a means of control. I'm not here to control you. These are your choices. Saku left. The glow got brighter as Saku walked towards the red light district. Men stumbled drunk, smelling a sake and sweat. Music could be heard playing down the street at the kissing house. Dice rolled. It's going to be Cho, a voice cried from inside the cup. A man was shaking. The man took bets and slammed the glass upside down to the ground. He lifted up to reveal two dice, both with one red dot facing up. Even, the man said, it was Cho. A few men grumbled and groaned. The cup man took the bets and placed them into his earnings. Don't complain. Next game, don't be cheap. Kamo spoke from Saku's pocket. What was that voice? They must be made of skulls, Saku said. Such games were not allowed in her village. She found herself wanting to learn how to play. She walked past the gambling and into the red light district. The strong smell of incense and perfume hovered in the air. Yet something smelled foul. Her eyes adjusted to the red light. She could see the kissing house on the left. A giant structure with a rice paper front with the words Kuchibashiya written on it. A large cherry blossom was painted on the paper next to the door. A few men crossed over from a bar across the street into the kissing house, hanging onto each other, singing loudly. Kamo let out a nervous sigh. This is all very bad. Kamo, is it? The other skull said. Nothing comes easy. You seem to lack direction, my friend. She tried to clear her mind and separate her thoughts from those of the skull. Oh, I lack direction, Kamo lashed out. You gonna tell me how to breathe, too? You're dead, you don't do that, Chi Chow said. Stop! Saku yelled, clenching her fist and tightening her face. The air filled with static. She felt a sting and a few hairs on her head stood up. You're both great, you're awesome but I have way too many thoughts for everyone to be talking all the time. Inside the kissing house, men laughed. Glasses clanked and young women in white face paint and long komodos hung onto the men. Saku did not know whom she was searching for and knew she couldn't go in and start asking everybody where Hana was. She walked past the entrance, hearing some shaking in a room closed off with the divider painted with a smiley face. Women giggled. Everyone seemed to be involved with somebody else in the room, except one. She stared at Saku as if she had never seen anything like it. She couldn't look away. She walked across Tatami Mat. Her white painted face and blackened teeth, red lipstick and eyeliner stood out amongst the other women. Her figure was stunning, especially to someone who had not seen a kimono look as smooth and soft. Her eyes locked with Saku's. When she got too close, she took her hands and put them around Saku's face. She spoke passionately. I've been waiting for you. Tell me you're looking for Hannah." the geisha said. What? Saku said, noticing the woman's hand smelled of expensive perfume. Ayashi says you have my tea. I need it. This way. Hannah motioned towards Divided Room. They entered. She slid door shut. She spoke. You must know something. I am Lord Yataku's wife. Banished here for speaking out about his treatment of the people. If you help me escape from this city, he will not let you live. He will kill you. It's a matter of time at this point. The only one who can change my husband's mind is Ito. If you help me out of the city, I will convince him to help us. Baku's heart sank. Wife, he sent you here. A voice raised in the other room. A scuffle broke out. Cups crashed against the floor. Women yelled. They heard multiple footsteps clopping on the flooring. Ayumi said the schoolgirl is here, somebody said. There's no way out. Please tell me you know how to use that sword, Hannah said, pointing down. I've gotten lucky a few times, Saku confessed. Where is she? Saku remembered the voice of Ito who stood on the other side of the divider. The door began to slide open. Saku kicked the rice panel as hard as she could, grabbed Hana's hand, and pulled her out of the room. Ito turned and ran towards them with a sword in his red swollen hand. Saku drew the katana. Hana stepped away. Ito, we need the talk, Saku pleaded. Ito charged. You killed my son, Ito screamed. Saku swung in a wide sweep. Ito dug his foot into the tatami mat and leaned in to avoid the hit. The katana cut him across the side, slicing open his armor. She rushed out at the kissing house and onto the street nearby, stumbling into some bystanders who had gathered to watch the commotion. Saku saw Ito cross over the building's threshold and had closed the distance. Giant man charged at little Saku. In desperation, she hooked his shoulder and used his momentum to suplex him. The back of his head thumped against the stone road hard, his pupils dilated. He didn't move, he looked up. She stood to her feet and looked at him, bleeding on the ground. I didn't want this, she said. Lord Yataku will surely kill you now, Ito said, slurring his words. Even if you give him his tea, you have shamed him in front of the other warlords. By not arriving on time, he will not stop until you are dead. I just want to go home to Mibu, Aku said. There's no chance of that now, Ito's eyes closed. If his spirit left him, she did not know. They heard footsteps and clinking armor approach from the kissing house. Saku and Hana ran. Hana had the bag of tea in hand. Others went to Ito's side and began to give aid in whatever way they could. Someone cried for help, but his own men did nothing.